when we were singing that last song, I was having a flashback, and I was picturing, it was kind of a montage, flash, flashback of different, around different campfires and in different chapels and seeing kids and seeing teenagers just all out praising God. It's a powerful thing. How many of you have ever been to a great Christian camp before? All right. Oh, wow. So we've got some reference points here, and I hope that there's some of the flashbacks that start to happen with you as well as we go through this. Maybe there's a song that brings you back to a memory or a, a scripture or something that happens that, that kind of brings you back to camp. Where were some of the camps? Hands, where were some of the camps that were represented here? Who, what were some? Yes, what was yours? Camp Kareth. How about yours? Covenant Pines. Where were some more of the camps? Yeah. Cooperstown Bible Camp. Anyone else been to Cooperstown Bible Camp? There we go. Do you guys meet at Cooperstown Bible Camp? No, but all right. We had a couple of couples that became couples at camp. Uh, where were some other camps? Big Sandy. Camp Forest Springs? Okay, yep. Lake Geneva. Shamanab. We had all these different camps that are represented here. Now, if you had never been to or have never been to a great Christian camp, you're not alone. I, I had never been to one before I was a high schooler. I was in high school. I had just given my life to Christ about a month earlier, and my youth director invited me to come and be a leader at a Christian summer camp. I had never been to one before. Never been to one before, and I was hooked. We have a picture here from Camp Lutherdell. This is where I was invited to go. That's where we had our campfires as a sunset there on Big Boy Lake. It was just beautiful. And there's the, the lodge. So that was my first thing. I had never experienced anything like this before. And I was absolutely hooked. I had never been a part of something where God was a part of everything that we did. At least that was the, the attempt. That when the first thing we woke up, we went and we had our flag raising and we prayed. And throughout the day, God was a part of our games and our meals and everything we did. And at night, the last thing we did together in our cabins was to pray. It was, it was really something. I was hooked. I saw lives change at camp. And I wanted, when I became a youth director, to make sure that we kept camp right at the center of what we did. And so right out of college, I went to a, a, a First United Methodist in New Ulm, Minnesota, and our camp then was Coronas. Here's some pictures from our camp Coronas. Uh, and in the middle of the black and white T-shirts there, Laura is one of the leaders there uh, at Camp Coronas. And then when I, I got a call to North Heights Lutheran, we went to Ironwood Springs Christian Ranch for our summer camps. Here's a pictures from back in the day. How many of you were at one of our Ironwood Springs Sunfire camps? A lot of you guys uh, were at those. It was, it was a lot of fun. Now, have, are there ever bad camps? Yeah. I, I've seen people mess up camp. But when Christian camps are done right, there's nothing like them. When Christian camps are done right, there's nothing quite like them. In fact, here's what one of our volunteers said about camp. We introduced John Palmer to camp, and he said there's camp, and then there's waiting for camp. That's how he divided his, uh, his life up, camp and waiting for camp. So I've been waiting to do this series for a long time, a series where we explore as a church what makes a great camp a great camp and what could we apply to church? What if church was more like a great camp in all the right ways? Now, I want to go back to a couple of photos because I want to show you something that camp is not. Camp is not dependent on having a great facility because there is Camp Luther Dell and it was pretty rustic. It was pretty rustic. And here we are, our first year at Ironwood Springs Christian Ranch before they built the beautiful log chapel. We used to meet in the gym. 
And maybe some of you are even in this picture here. This is, we're in a gym. We got the overhead projector. We got Andy's Benz truck in there as one of our props, you know. He's got his amp in the back. I mean, it was rustic. But it wasn't the facility that made a great camp. It was other things. And so I've been reflecting on this and thinking, what are some of the transferable principles that we could grab from a great camp, and how could we apply that here at church? And I came up with at least four. There's more than these four, but we only got four weeks. And so here are four that I want to press into now over the next four weeks. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Here are what I believe are four essentials for a great camp. First one is great expectations. And we're going to talk about that today. Another one is great chapels. Another, another one is great community, and a fourth is great teamwork. And as I was typing these out, I noticed I, I made an acronym. I wasn't trying to make an acronym, but I made an acronym, ECCT, as in ECC t-shirts. And I hope you do pick up one of those t-shirts. I didn't plan this. Didn't plan this at all. It just happened, right? Um, I want you to grab one of those because we're going to be outside a lot this summer, right? Most of us are. And it's my hope that if you're wearing that shirt and you pray, that God's going to ask you, so where's Camp ECC? And perhaps some of the things that we've talked about in here are things that you can share as you have those conversations throughout the summer at soccer games and softball games and around a campfire and all those kind of things. Well, let's dive into this. Four essentials for a great camp, great expectations, great chapels, great community, great teamwork. Let's today focus on great expectations. And we're going to be using as a text today the book of Acts. And we'll come to that in just a little bit. just need to set up a couple other things here first. Great expectations. Man, they are essential. Because if you have great expectations, you can handle a lot of stuff that's not so great. I remember one of my first years at camp was during the summer of 1988, which was a record heat wave here in Minnesota. Record heat wave. And we were at camp in July at Camp Lutherdell, and we had a great week. And Matt Steiner was the drummer at, in 1996 when we had snow camp. And the day we left for snow camp was the coldest day in the history of our state. 60 below zero straight up, not wind chill. 60 below zero. Governor is closing all the schools. We're going, right? We're going to snow camp. And we went to snow camp. And we had a great week. So weather couldn't stop us. Power outages couldn't stop us from having a great week. I was at two separate camps where we lost power for a long time. We had a really stinky camp. In a really dark camp. But it was great. We had a great week because it didn't depend on that. We always had a great week because we had great expectations. Here's how this worked. We look outside. It's a beautiful day. Awesome. This is great Biffer weather, we'd say. We had this game called Biffer. And when it was raining, you know what we'd say? What a great day to play Biffer. It's raining. Mud Biffer, are you kidding me? This is going to be the best. We had one year where it snowed, WAPO. We played Biffer in the snow, and it was great. Now, this goes beyond, these great expectations go beyond positive thinking, and this is so important. When we went to camp, the reason we could say this is great is because we believed when we went to camp that we were going to encounter God. We believed that. That was our expectation. And we believed we're going to go and we're going to serve one another. Leaders, we're going to serve one another, and we're going to serve these campers. We believe that. And we believed if we did those things, we were going to see lives change. We had great faith that if we could just get those campers there, and we showed up, and we asked God to show up, lives were going to change. And every 
year they did, regardless of weather, regardless of electricity. The swarms of mosquitoes at Lutherdale couldn't stop us. The Coronas frog invasion couldn't stop us. And the infamous pillow mafia of Ironwood Springs couldn't stop us. We believed if we showed up and we asked God to show up, lives would change and every year they did. I'd encourage you to write this down in your notes. This is such an important principle. Faith allows us to access power beyond our own. Faith enables us and allows us to access power beyond our own. Why do I believe that? Because I saw it happen every year. That first year I told you at Lutherdale, barely a converted Christian at all. I'm in charge. I'm 16 years old, and I'm in charge of the entire guy's dorm, right? And my, my team is younger than I am. On paper, it should have been a disaster. I'd never been to camp. You're putting a 16-year-old in charge of all the leaders, in charge of all the guys? Bunch of elementary guys? Really? This is going to end well? It did. Because faith enabled us to access a power beyond our own. It shouldn't have worked. But we believe that God was real. We believe that if we did what he asked us to do, that we would see lives change. And we saw lives change. And then I'm barely out of college. In fact, it was my first year out of college, and I'm a youth director in New Ulm, Minnesota. And so I'm putting together a team for summer camp because summer camp changes lives. So I'm recruiting high schoolers, and I'm saying, come with me. And if we show up, and if we ask God to show up, lives are going to change. And they did. Go figure at a different camp. Camp Coronas. Let's put some of these pictures back up here. So here's Coronas. Again, there's the picture. Most of the team, that yellow shirt, they're, they're teenagers, right? And then here we are, here's our, our worship band. The guy standing next to me is Eric Gisselson. He was on our track team. I was coaching track, and I thought he might be a Christian. And so I'm like, why don't you come to camp? It's going to be great. He goes, what are you going to do? Well, here, just come, Eric. It's going to be awesome. And so he comes, and Allie, she was at the camp that I was at when I was a high schooler, and, and she was a camper. I'm like, well, she can sing, so let's bring her there. And, and Christy Zender, I knew her when I was volunteering at North Heights when I was in college. I'm like, she can play drums, so you come. And we put together this team, and we were really just a bunch of kids that didn't know what we were doing, a group that I would never authorize now that I'm older, right? I never would authorize a team like this and say, you go take our kids, you bunch of kids, right? We've never done this before. But God blessed it. He blessed it. Because we had these high expectations that if, if we showed up and we honored God with our actions and our behaviors, and we asked God to show up. Lives would change, and every year they did, regardless of what camp we went to, regardless of what weather, regardless of what challenges we faced. That faith piece matters. And this isn't me just saying that because I saw it happen at camp. This is me saying that because I see it in the Word of God. And now let's open our scriptures together. Here we go, Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Acts 14, verse 9. I love it, the crickets. Acts 14, verse 9. So here's what it says. And I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. I really believe the Bible is God's word. And that's why we, every year or every week we put the Bibles um, out there at that table and the table in the back. They're there for you to take. Here we go. Acts 14, verse 9. Now, Paul, he was a part of the Jesus movement in the very early years. Paul, looking intently at a man who had been crippled from birth and had never walked, and seeing that this man had what? This man had faith, he had expectations, he had faith to be made well, 
Paul said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Now, this is a great passage, I think, to follow up for those of you who were here last week. Because last week we talked about even if faith. The faith that we need. Because there are going to be times when we pray and we have expectations about what God should do, and God doesn't do that. It's so important to have an even if faith. But this is an important passage to put alongside that. Because I don't want us to get fatalistic and say, well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do, so I don't want to have high expectations. No, the Bible doesn't point us to that either. The Bible says to pray in faith and to pray in great expectations. Paul didn't get this from himself. He got this from the master Jesus. Take a look at some of the things that Jesus himself said. We're going to go out of the book of Acts for just a little bit, then we're going to come back to it. Look at some of these words from Jesus. And behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. How many times at camp did we see God move, not because the campers had faith, but because we had faith that God was going to move and parents were praying that God was going to move? Jesus, Matthew 9, 20, 29. Then Jesus touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, it will be done to you. Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith like that grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if you have faith. Mark 6, this is an interesting one. It'd be interesting to take this whole one as a series. Maybe someday we will. It says Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Why? Well, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Does our faith matter? It appears to matter. Our expectations appear to matter, especially expectations that are in the right things. Because is God going to answer a prayer that's not according to his will? No. But he says, if you pray anything according to my will, it's going to be done. So this begs the questions. What if our expectations were aligned with God's great expectations for us? Did you hear that? What if our expectations as a church were aligned with God's great expectations for us as a church. Are we aligning those two things? If we do, then we, become, we have access to power that's beyond ourselves. I'd encourage you to write this down. The power that was at work in Acts, it is active today. Can I get an amen to that? The power that was at work in Acts, it is still active today, and we're going to see that power and what its purpose was. That power that was active in the book of Acts, it is direct, directly linked, or it was directly linked, to spreading the good news and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're about here as a church. I encourage you to write this down. If, you, if you've never had this teaching before, especially, Holy Spirit power is purposeful power. When we talk about the Holy Spirit here at this church, we're not just throwing around stuff that I've seen misapplied, where people think that the Holy Spirit is like their personal attendant or or, or something that they can somehow conjure if they use the right language, like you're a sorcerer or something. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's power, it is purposeful power to accomplish God's plans and God's purposes. Let me show you what I mean. Here we go, back to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. These are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are the words of Jesus of Nazareth. He said you'll receive what? 
power when who comes upon you? The Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus say was going to happen when the Holy Spirit came upon them? They were going to be his witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me help you get an A on a Bible test if you ever have a Bible class. If they ever ask you to outline the book of Acts, there it is. Isn't that a great outline for the book of Acts? Have you ever read the book of Acts? They received power, like Jesus promised, and they became his witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That is the outline for the book of Acts. Now, in today's um, bullet, and I also included this yellow sheet, I'd like you to pull this out. And if you have a pen or pencil, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to start circling all the numbers and number words. Not the references where it says Acts and then some numbers. That's where you can find these passages. But if you can see any numbers or number words, circle those. I didn't put this insert together because I had a lot of extra time this week. I didn't put this insert together because I hate trees and I just love to kill them and make them into paper. I didn't do it for those reasons. I did it because this was so helpful for me as I went through and I started to go number, 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 number words. God was increasing his church in the book of Acts. They received power, and it wasn't purposeless power. It wasn't make them go, ooh, that was cool. It wasn't a film with warm fuzzies. They received power, and the church started to grow. The church started to grow. Are we picking up some weird feedback? No, no. Just wanted to get up in front. That's Jeff. Hey, these guys do an awesome, awesome job. You know, I forgot to say at the front end, Thanks to everybody to, who helped make all this possible. Isn't this fire awesome? And all these things, all this. It's so good. So great job. But look at this. Numbers. 120 were gathered. 3,000 were baptized. Many who heard the word believed. There was, and the number of men came to about 5,000. It goes on from beyond Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. I mean, look at that. Number after number after number. Do numbers matter in the book of Acts? Yeah, they do. If someone ever says numbers don't matter to God, they do matter. And here's why. Because those numbers represent people. And there's a God in heaven who wants people who are lost to come home. There's a God in heaven who wants those neighbors that live next to you who are having a hard time to know that they're not out there by themselves. And when they do pray, God hears. And he wants those people in our lives who are just struggling to be able to access a power in their life that can give them guidance and hope. God wants to reach people. And what's his strategy? It's us. Crazy as that sounds, you know? I used to think it was crazy looking back that God would trust a bunch of teenagers at camp. It's crazy to trust any of us to do this, but he does. So what if we had expectations that God could use us to spread his word because it wasn't numbers for numbers' sake. Take a look at this. Um, go, go to 4.12, Acts 4.12. Look at what is written in the book of Acts. Salvation is found in no one else. In no one else. There is no other name given among men or women by much we must be saved. And the Holy Spirit is trying to help people understand that, that there's a God, there's a one true God, and he wants to help, and he wants you to make things right and to release you from guilt and shame and give you a chance to start over and so many good things. 
The Holy Spirit's power was very purposeful. And you see this if you study and do the numbers. The numbers aren't only linked to people. Take a look at this. Acts 6-7, the word of God continued to increase. Acts 12-24, the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 13-49, the word of the Lord was spreading through the whole region. Acts 19-20, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Was it just numbers for numbers sake? No. God was spreading this message of hope and this message of truth. And can you imagine what would happen if we said, God, would you do that through us? And we had expectations that he not only wanted to, but that he could. Can you imagine if the word of God was spreading like it was in Acts right here in Shoreview and in Vadness Heights and in Arden Hills and in North Oaks and in Roseville and in New Brighton and wherever else I missed, Moundsview, can you imagine the difference it could make? What if we had expectations like that? And we should, because we're God's strategy. And not just individuals going out there as individuals, but together. Take a look at this, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. And if you go through the scriptures, you're going to see, and going through the book of Acts in particular, you're going to see starting about here, and as it continues, this is part of God's plan, us coming together. Whether it's at camp, or whether it's here, it's, it's us coming together and God meeting us together. The word translated here is church. It refers to people, not a building. And nothing could stop these people from sharing the treasure that they discovered with others. You want to see some expectations. If you haven't seen this passage before, let me show you some expectations. These people didn't just expect they were going to get together and sing some nice little songs or that things are going to be easy. Look at this. Now, you've got to remember as we look at chapter 4 here, these people, the, the, the early church, they're coming up against the same people that put Jesus to death. The very same people that took out Jesus, or so they thought, are now coming against the church. And they imprisoned, they, they brought in two of the leaders, Peter and John, and we pick up with Acts 4 of what happens when they get released. All right, Peter and John are released, they went back to their own people, and they reported to the chief priests and the elders uh, what, what had been said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord! You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed one. Indeed, these power players, Herod, Pontius Pilate, they met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did, look at this, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. They weren't winning. They were being used by God to accomplish God's purposes. Picking up with verse 29, now Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit Holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed. And the place they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In the face of this opposition, these people, they weren't afraid. 
And if they were, they overcame that. I shouldn't say they weren't afraid. I bet they were afraid. But they were able to find courage in the great expectations they had in the great God whose ways and plans and purposes couldn't be stopped. And when it comes to our church, I feel like often our expectations are too small. And I fall into this trap too of small expectations. Should we expect quality music on Sunday mornings? Sure. Should we come and expect that we're going to have a well-researched, well-presented message? Sure. Should we expect that we're going to have coffee and cookies and stuff? Sure. But it's my hope that we start getting greater expectations than that. Amen? What if we started having God-sized expectations of what God could do in and through us? In fact, what if we started looking at ourselves as not just the meeting piece together, but this. I'd encourage you to write this down. What if we increasingly viewed church not as a place we go, but as a gospel-proclaiming, word-spreading, spirit-fueled, invitational movement that we're a part of? Do you think God sees us that way? I think that's the way God wants to see us that way. What if every member of our church had an expectation like that when we gathered? and when we went our separate ways. When I consider the way we saw lives change in just one week of camp, can you imagine what could happen if we saw that happening over 52 weeks a year, every year? Can you imagine that? I'm serious, can you imagine that? Wow, that's what this series is about. It's not easy to grow a church these days. We're facing strong headwinds. One of the reasons I don't go to certain pastor meetings because I'm sick of hearing them complain about it. All the problems with their society and all the reasons why their church isn't growing. I'm just tired of that. Because you look at the book of Acts, look what they were facing. First century? The challenges they faced were so much bigger, so much bigger. But the Jesus movement couldn't be stopped because it was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it spread through Jerusalem and through Judea and Samaria, and it's continuing to spread to the ends of the earth. It got as far as Shoreview, Minnesota. Yeah, sure, you betcha. So what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to have great expectations that that movement that Jesus launched could still take root and spread today? I think summer's a great time to put that into practice. And we have an insert in your bulletin that's got some things on there, some just real practical stuff. Um, you can write this down in your notes if you want, but it's also in that insert about staying informed and staying involved, continuing to invest, and praying about opportunities to invite. And we'll talk about some of those as the series goes on. But today, as we bring this to a close, I just want to start with that big picture thing up at the top. Are you all in? Are you all in? Because imagine if we were. Imagine if we were. And the kind of all-in that a lot of us were in when we were at camp. When we came with that expectation that we were going to meet God and that he could do great things in our lives and in the lives of our friends if we just trusted him and had those expectations. What will it take for our church to be more like a great camp? That's what we're going to unpack. Today we talked about great expectations. Next week, I want to talk about great chapels. At camp, we had some awesome chapels, and we're creating, because the kids are going to be with us next week, we're creating a brand new spontaneous melodrama. It's called, you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to have the Avengers in here. It's just going to be 
Well, we'll see how it's going to be. We've never tried it in here before, but hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. We used to have these great chapels, great times together. And I look at the book of Acts, when they gathered, oh, there was power in those gatherings. What if we could become more like that? And community. If you ever at a great camp, it only was great if the people were great. And the people loved one another and accepted one another and encouraged one another. When they didn't, it was not a great camp. What if we could be more like that? Because in the book of Acts, they had community like no one else. And then teamwork. Man, we're, this was fun. I'd started working a little bit ahead on number four. There is so much in the book of Acts. You talk about a group, they were like the rest of us. They had all kinds of problems. They had conflicts with one another. They had all kinds of new challenges as they grow. How did they do teamwork really well? Because if you've ever been at a camp where the team wasn't working as a team, I've been at a camp, we had civil war between the new guard and the old guard. It was horrible. But what if we could come together and we could trust God? So let's commit this series to him as we prepare to go. Would you please pray with me as we close? Father, we pray that you would give us your expectations, your great expectations for us. Lord, we pray that you would come and you would fill our minds and you would fill our hearts with the kind of expectancy that comes from you so that we don't set out to try to become something that you don't want us to become, but instead we become the people that you created us to be and we're able to take this good message, this great news, we're able to share it right here. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week.